The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode is brought to you by Solo New York, one of the biggest bag brands in the company. They started in 2008 with a commitment to shake up a boring industry and make cool, thoughtfully designed bags to keep everyone moving in style. I've got their Varsity All-Star Backpack Duffel, which is an ultra lightweight backpack that transforms into a duffel. It's got handle on top, on the side. You can change it into a backpack. Amazing for going to the gym. It's got a compartment for shoes. I can actually fit my basketball shoes in there. And just the quality is really what I'm most impressed by. The zippers move incredibly quickly. There's no chance of them ever getting stuck on some fabric or, or anything like that. The pull handles are high quality. You can tell they're not going to break off. It's really just a, a great bag. The way to get started with them, solo-ny.com slash capspace. These are no slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program. They've got hundreds of designs and you can get 25% off your order at solo-ny.com slash capspace. Use that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Oh man, we had something else planned for today, but uh, that's out the window now. Kawhi Leonard traded to the Toronto Raptors along with Danny Green for Jakob Pertl, DeMar DeRozan, top 20 protected, 2019 first round pick. Holy crap, man. Also, he was traded with Danny Green. I mean, that's an Oh, did I not even include Danny well. Green? I'm, I'm just so shell-shocked right now uh, that I couldn't even say the trade properly. <laughs> I mean, this is absolutely massive, and we don't know what Kawhi Leonard we're getting. And of course, there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen on that point. But I think I want to start with this from from the perspective of just how absolutely fascinating this Raptors team is. I mean, even with the, so we'll, we'll treat Kawhi fairly as we should as a, as an unknown. But now you have Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard in whatever form he's in. OG Ananobi, yeah, that's right. He's not in this deal. He's still on this run. Raptors, Serge Ibaka, Valanciunas, presumably they can get a backup center. They still have Fred Van Fleet, all these other pieces. And that's a really, really interesting team. I don't think like off a quick blush that they're necessarily like better than the Celtics, but they're, they're really interesting. And if Kawhi Leonard can be a top 20, top 30 player, they step up to a whole different level. Well, and I mean, that that is the question. We'll talk more about his health, but I, I want to just assume that he's going to be close to the same guy again. And if so, you know, I'd have to think about it very seriously. And uh, man, Nick Nurse is going to have an interesting challenge. <laughs> Welcome to the NBA, Nick Nurse. <laughs> you, uh, uh, you just got a guy that you have to sell on your organization one year who in theory doesn't want to be there. Uh, but, and we'll get to the whole thing from Kawhi's perspective too. But I mean, just think about this closing lineup Cal lowry danny green another guy who we don't know where he's at performance wise he struggled with injuries last year 
OG Ananobi, Kawhi Leonard, and then either Pascal Siakam or Serge Ibaka at center. I mean, that is going to be just impossible to score against. Now, you can switch just about everything. I mean, Cal Lowry is still a, a pretty good switch defender, you know, similar to Chris Paul in terms of just having that low center of gravity. They can fly all over the floor. There's really nobody in the East that, like, you're worried about posting you up that much. I guess Joel Embiid would be the only one. They have, eh, probably enough shooting uh and they have that one guy in Kawhi who is really unstoppable one-on-one again if healthy whereas DeRozan was a guy who could be shut down by the de- best defenders I mean even when Kawhi would go against Golden State he was able to score one-on-one against some of their best guys so I think that would just be such a nasty team and then you think of the depth that they still have with Wright they brought back Van Fleet as well CJ Miles Norm Powell I mean maybe there could still be a place for him on the, on the bench unit now uh Siakam Jonas Valanciunas is still a solid enough starting center who could maybe still play at the end of games in some matchups I mean that is just a really nasty team I mean especially defensively like this that should be a team that is I mean you know maybe the departure of Casey will hurt the defense um and the departure of of uh, Kalamium but I mean just based on personnel I mean that's gonna be a really really good defense and also worth noting that their biggest weakness in terms of regular season depth is probably at center. That's the easiest position to add depth. They could even just bring back Bebe Noguera. And while I really like Jakob Pertl, still do now, will for a while, the margin between him in this kind of nascent stage still in his career and the backup centers that are still on the market is, is significant, but it's not that significant for a team that has all these other players on top of it. Yeah, I mean, Pertl, especially because now they're probably going to be doing so much switching wouldn't necessarily have been in the, the closing lineup to begin with. And he is someone who probably would have matured into a solid enough starting center. It's a he's a loss, but you know, not someone who's just gonna kill you because he's not a, on your team anymore. Um I mean they still they only have ten guys really under contract right now. They uh, are said to have agreed with Lorenzo Brown. Don't know what the guarantees are on that, so that that'll put you at eleven. They moved on from Malcolm Miller, I think uh, Alfonso McKinney guarantees in a couple of days you imagine they probably would move on oh he, he did waved. get waved okay take him off my sheet right yeah. now uh so they're at 11 guys the tax bill is looking like it's going to be pretty big if they fill out the roster with minimums and remember they haven't even used their taxpayer mle either by the way so they have that available but let's say they just fill out to 14 players with minimums and don't look to cut any tax they're looking at a 44 million dollar tax payment and overall team salary plus tax of 188 million you imagine that they probably will in fact be trying to cut but with uh, and Malachi Richardson you would think he he would be someone they would move on but he only makes 1.5 so you replace him with someone else and you're not really saving any money and Powell is the obvious candidate making 9 million this year but let's not forget he's got four more years at 42 million a player option on that last year so you probably would have to attach a first round pick to him to move him I'm not saying he's not a, a valuable player if he's going right but still it's looking like he's overpaid didn't play at all last year so it is going to be tough to cut money there's always the thought that they could move on from Valanchunas as well who's got 16 million this year a 17.6 million dollar player option that he likely picks up for next year uh so that could be the other one but they kind of need Valanchunas uh, unless they want to just make Ibaka their starting center and just bring in someone else uh, uh, on a budget but I think at this point you know you probably want to just start the season with this team and then kind of see where you're at uh, around the trade 
trade deadline um you know unless it cap space from the hawks and kings is just going to go away between now and then which is possible so uh we'll see some moves are going to be coming a 44 million dollar tax payment for a team that's never paid the tax before seems unlikely but uh man i mean this is just i think really we have to turn now to the question of uh, Kawhi's health i mean that's really the the next step here and then also just his where he's at mentally as far as going to play for this team for a year which was not among his preferred destinations uh, by all accounts Right. And so, of course, people will be looking to the physical that Kawhi Leonard does have to take and where, you know, what the Raptors are looking for in that physical. We know very little about his status and his recovery. There was that those inklings from Shams Trania a little while ago that, oh, he's, you know, on the on the way to coming back. I don't remember yeah. the exact terminology. Well, there, and but... Woj had that article about how he might play at the Team USA meeting camp. Um, That's right. So, I mean, if, if they're talking about doing that, then you have to imagine he's healthy enough to be out there on the court but uh, as many executives anonymously noted in Woj's piece that wouldn't have been enough to show all right is he a top 20 player is he top five player but he could at least show that he's like out there and moving around and looks okay right and and so that's a a threshold question that now is is more pertinent for the Raptors in a couple of different ways but yeah I mean we we don't know what Kawhi Leonard the Raptors are getting and also it's at the beginning of this as assuming that the physicals go to to pass and and Kawhi ends up a member of the Raptors and shows up which I I'm not as worried there are people in my mentions because I was awake when the early reporting on this happened like what if he doesn't show up he's going to show up because the incentives the NBA structures this so guys basically have to I mean those the no-shows are are punished enough that it doesn't happen well, well uh, and so to push back on that a little bit absolutely i mean he's going to show up he's going to take his physical blah blah like he'd do all that but you know what level of malingering might there be but on the other hand sure I, he, he has a couple of reasons number one if he wants to get that big free agent contract next year he needs to play and play well and make it through the season not injured and show that he's still a, a max player and number two obviously you know this if if it's about getting to the lakers i mean so he wants the raptors to trade him again well the lakers weren't willing to give up enough of a package to get him from san antonio initially so why is that going to change later on here i mean maybe you know the spurs weren't interested in lonzo ball and the raptors would be if all this goes really badly but it seems like just now Kawhi has done a lot of things that may not have been in his best interest here but it seems pretty clear to me that the best way to get what he wants ultimately in terms of a big contract and his ability to pick his destination in 2019 whether that's the Lakers or elsewhere is have a great season with the Raptors this year yeah I would agree with that and also this trade makes it so that assuming it goes through that Kawhi cannot receive the supermax you know that that he'll have to wait for his 10 years of experience whether that affects the structure of his next raging contract or whether he just says with all this injury stuff hey i'll take the 30 percent max for as long as i can get it and then we'll we'll figure out if i'm worth the 35 percent max at that point that's significant as well in terms of his financial present financial future and i mean what the raptors are getting from him but it, it is super important because Kawhi leonard i brought up this point when we talked about him the last time on the show that per minute i think he was the best player in the nba in the 2016-17 regular season the reason he finished fourth in my mvp voting was because he played fewer minutes and value is you know player quality player
player impact factored in with the time they play. And that Kawhi Leonard was awesome. I, even if he's not quite that guy, he's still an absolutely incredible player. Yeah. So, I mean, this Raptors team clearly, I mean, you got to have them above Philly here, clearly. I mean, unless Kawhi is just a complete shell. Uh, and then Boston, you know, we just don't know what that Boston team is going to look like. They certainly just have armloads of talent. Uh, but, and, I think that this this trade, I mean, he's, he's such an unbelievable two-way player when he's healthy. Um, also worth noting, Kawhi, 15% trade bonus. Probably going to, I doubt he's going to waive it, and the trade works even with it. So uh, that's going to bump him from $20.1 million to $23.1 million. He's still really no chance that he extends. He could only get four years, and he could only get 120% of this last year salary. He, his max contract next year would start at 32.7 and of course you know he wants to get to free agency almost zero chance you would think that he extends here although he would be eligible to do so uh, up until the up until june 30th actually although there's effectively no reason to extend he's got that player option for next year as well uh which does not increase based on the trade bonus that would go, bump him back down to 21.3 million but in case you know he suffers some sort of an injury he could always opt into that next year and try again in 2020 what do you think the chances are he actually stays in Toronto after this year? Low, but not zero. I mean, the Raptors are a competitive team. This is not going to a like low lottery franchise or something like that. And maybe he likes it. Maybe the feel the feel of Toronto, you know, a city that I haven't actually spent any time in, but a lot of people I, I know have and, and really enjoy. And the oh, I mean, you see that with DeRozan was drafted there and he's crushed to, to leave there. And so maybe he finds a really nice fit there. I would say it's unlikely just because there are so many teams that are going to have cap space and that can that can woo him and the fifth year could be helpful. But then the other thing we could note is that since Toronto can trade him two months after this, you know, maybe they even move him before the before the end of this upcoming season. So you have to factor that in as well. And then they of course wouldn't have the fifth year. They wouldn't get him at that point. So I would say low but not zero. Yeah, maybe it's a, a little higher, although it is worth noting that after this season he'll have eight years of experience and especially guys on his level and especially if he plays really well he probably would want to be in a situation much like Gordon Hayward although Hayward wasn't as good as Kawhi where he could become a free agent again pretty soon after he gets the 10 plus years of experience and get that 35 percent of the salary cap contract so he might want to go for say a three plus one maybe even a two plus one again we'll see how healthy he is and and how much the long-term security is important in but with all the teams that have cap space clearly you know even if he's probably only playing at like a top 15 type of level he's going to have many many max offers out there i mean let's look at what the raptors gave up here derozan pertle that 2019 top 20 projected pick which is a, a good bit of negotiating for Majiri that if this goes really wrong you know they're not gonna have to give that up we'll have to see what the protections are going forward that has not been reported yet but we figured we should just record right now oh, oh it actually, has been? actually oh, good. Has been. what is it yeah so that pick is not protected going forward because if it doesn't convey in the top 20 it becomes two second round picks okay well that's a, that is a good bit of negotiating so it's so. yeah it's so it's sort of like the with the Jerry and Grant trade it, with the with the Raptor with the uh sorry with the Oklahoma City Thunder except that that was years out ahead and because of the Ennis Canner thing and everything else that was more complicated. Yeah, you, so, yeah, you mean Jeremy really Grant? Good... But yeah, that's uh yeah same Jeremy. thing. Jeremy, oh, they're all the same, <laughs> same family. They all count. But yeah, so so that's uh an- another interesting piece. Of this so there's some downside protection for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, you could make an argument that this team is really well situated with decent 
decent health for the regular season anyway because they have all this talent. I mean, last year they were they ended up with the the best record in the East. It was funny we were I was thinking putting their season in perspective. I'm like, yeah, they they did finish with the best record in the East last year, even though it ended pretty badly. And oh, there was a lot of kind of help, you know, the Celtics getting hurt as much as they did and them punching over their weight. But I mean, defensively they have a ton of talent now. But yeah, so let's think about this. So you and I are both lower on DeMar DeRozan than a vast majority of people. Still an unquestionably talented player, somebody that we both, I think, considered for All-NBA with the impact he had on the Raptors this past year. And his contract for for those that are still kind of in in that framework, which I think is important here, he has a flat $27.7 million for the 18-19 season, 19-20 season, then has a player option for that identical value in 2020-21. So that is, you know, that's a a lot of money. It is not an obscene amount of money. And DeRozan, you know, I, I would say, would you classify him at this point as being prime, kind of post-prime? Well, yeah, I mean, he just had the best season of his reference. career, I think. You know, the shooting threes yeah. is helpful, you know, that, that he's added that to his game, although they don't really seem to care about yeah, that. This will, be his aged, yeah, this will be his age 29 season. Yeah, and so two years left after, after this, as you mentioned it, at the $27 million per, you know, it, it was set in theory by, by so some commentators that it's an appeal of this deal to get off of his money I, I don't really think so uh because even next year if Kawhi were to leave they wouldn't have any kind of cap space and then 2020-21 they basically have nothing on the books other than Norm Powell and Ananubi so they might have he would have had a player option that year for 27 million he probably either opts out or you know if you if he sticks around i mean you still have massive flexibility there you could maybe get something for him in trade or whatever i mean i, I don't think that that was a, a particularly bad component you know maybe that turns into a bad contract by the end probably does uh but i don't see moving on from DeRozan as like an advantage that he was some sort of an albatross and and proto we mentioned him you know i think he could turn into a solid starting center we've liked a lot of the things that, that he's done although he hasn't really been able to perform as well in the playoffs so i i think what in terms of what they gave up for the raptors you know the opportunity cost maybe is you know Kawhi doesn't play well danny green doesn't play well and you know maybe you're a little bit worse this year but like i said i don't think that they'll be that much worse without derozan um if they can just get something out of green and leonard this year obviously if leonard just doesn't play and green is cooked because he's just had too many nagging injuries then that changes but they were unlikely to get to 59 wins again i think this year anyway um seemed like they're over their head and obviously they had run into massive walls in the playoffs with the departure of lebron from the conference this would be even more awesome if lebron were still in the east by the way this trade and i, I should say that oh, i should man. say that because you have Kawhi able to guard him now i should say say this too i'm really happy this trade happened like this is to me the most interesting destination for Kawhi of any of the places that was being talked about at least for this year well i would have said philly for me i think philly would have been really you know because because then you think of the pieces of of the way that fits together but theoretically if, if Covington had been in the deal then that would have affected their upside it would have been more kind of more disappointing if Kawhi left than it would be in in this circumstance but but yeah I mean they're they're certainly in that conversation because this Raptors team is absolutely fascinating I mean that I think that might be the underappreciated part of this I mean we have to talk about DeRozan and the Spurs and everything else is that the Raptors are now on the short list of the most interesting teams in the NBA 
Let's talk about where the Raptors are in terms of adding some talent uh, to this team in theory. I mean, maybe that's just not going to happen, but they do have to fill out a, at least with minimums. Uh, anybody left on the market here that you might be targeting? Were you them? I mean, one of the things they need is is a backup center. There are a lot of a lot of guys that kind of fit that bill. Whether you want to talk about David West or Bebe Noguera coming back, Alex Len, Greg Monroe, I would go with somebody a little bit more versatile. They could also theorize theoretically throw an offer sheet at Montrez Harrell using the mid-level I doubt that but if we're going so we're going in the minimums then on the perimeter they could you know they could talk to Connaughton Brewer Nwaba they don't really need point guard depth especially now that they kept FEV and Alon Wright so I would be focusing more on those directions you know who I actually maybe Vince Carter <laughs> you know who I actually think there's a couple guys I think would be good fits uh one would be Noah Vonley uh especially if they're going to yep. be doing more switching you know he could fit into that and then I actually think they could use one more scorer on this team now I mean they've got a lot of these long wing guys who are versatile who can defend but I mean really Kawhi and Lowry are the only guys that really are capable of going one-on-one and Lowry really has, has kind of gotten past that so I actually think Mike Beasley is someone that I might target if I were them to get one more guy who can fill it up on that second unit um you know we might, we might hear Jamal Crawford's name as well I don't like that one quite as much uh yeah you mentioned Nawaba that's an interesting one although he's kind of redundant with some of the guys they have Connaughton as a shooter they could use a little bit more shooting as well I would say actually you know what someone else whose name you might hear is joe johnson uh that might be one where as a regular season guy to maybe but but that does kind of take away from the identity of that like run it down your throat and defend second unit to have kind of like an old guy or or a a offense only guy like a beasley or a johnson in there but those are guys to think about i mean they have a ton of depth at point guard i mean another thing they might consider too is would they want to look at trading right now uh they've got van vliet back in the fold maybe they could trade right and get something pretty good if there's a team right it's going to be a restricted free agent next summer they probably won't have the money to pay him if Kawhi were to come back so maybe what they could do is try and trade him for a a big of equivalent talent. I mean, there's probably a lot of teams that would want to trade. You, know, you could get a younger big as well. Maybe someone who could be the Valanchunas replacement eventually now that they've kind of lost that guy. Uh, they could always maybe bring back Bebe too on a, on a minimum deal. Um, they obviously didn't give him a qualifying offer, but he appears to have gotten little interest. Bebe could be another guy who would help them during the regular season, although he doesn't really have the intelligence level uh, to play very well in the postseason. Anything else to talk about from the the Raptors side of things here? I mean, this God, this could I mean, this could be like a sixty win team, like very easily. I mean, they won fifty nine last year, at, but it could be like a sixty win team that actually plays. And also, I mean, if you want to look at the other conference, like very very well set up to defend golden state as well i mean i don't know if they they might just not quite be able to score well enough against golden state but man i mean look at all the guys that they have i mean they got danny green uh to guard Steph or clay thompson the amount of switching they could do uh Kawhi obviously is about as good as it gets for defending kd I mean, that's a, this could be a, a team that, you know, for a long time, we've talked about the Raptors punching below their weight in the postseason. I think this is a team that actually could punch above their weight in the postseason, especially if they, there's just not many teams that could have a rotation with this many good defenders who can all switch. 
A couple other points I want to bring up from the Raptors' perspective. One, this also takes away from them their reliance in the playoffs on Kyle Lowry. If if Kawhi Leonard can be anything close offensively to what he was in sixteen seventeen, because you know that they've risen and fall, fell fall fallen a lot with Lowry's effectiveness ineffectiveness. And I mean, yeah, they did run up against LeBron yeah. James basically. Lowry actually time. played so pretty that, well offensively in the playoffs last year, quietly with them getting mm-hmm. smoked, obviously. Yeah. But their defense was the big problem in that Cleveland series. Right. Right. And they certainly have they certainly have more there. We don't know what we're getting from Danny Green beyond the fact that he I mean, he he probably missed more games over the last couple of years because he was on the Spurs. I mean, so 79 to three years ago, 68 last year, 70 in 1718. So sorry, I had the years a little bit off. Um, but there were times where he looked a little bit past. This will be his age 31 season. He I, th- I think he just turned 31 in the offseason and they won't need him to do a lot of shot creation, which is always good with Danny Green. They should have that from other guys. And if they can just allow him to be active defensively, but taking him out of the Spurs defensive goo, I think that's one of the angles that we'll talk about with San Antonio as well as how all this fits in. But the other thing I wanted to talk with you about on this, and this is uh, as a way of framing this deal in terms of how favorable I think it is for the Toronto Raptors as, as invaluable, you know, in terms of the fabric of the franchises to Rosen was, is how broken would Kawhi Leonard have to be for you to reject this deal when you think about the how it cleans up their finances and yeah you're right that there isn't as much of an opportunity cost with the Rosen because it's not like they would have cleared cap space they're not clearing cap space for the 2019 offseason they're just clearing kind of wiggle room under the tax but where like where would you be looking at this if you're the Raptors because all you gave up is that you know corresponding salary into Rosen and a very good player obviously Yaka Pertle and a top 20 protected first round pick yeah we've talked about how inscrutable this injury may be for Kawhi right that even if he looks like he can move around and he's healthy i mean he was out there playing didn't suffer anything really uh, acute you know just kind of wasn't getting better but he's out there playing at, you know not at an amazing level but still at an effective level in those nine games that he did play you know i think there are some issues with recovery uh, as well and you know just in terms of a physical i mean generally in a physical you're not going to have the guy like sprinting up and down the floor you know it's just like a doctor taking imaging and like doing a bunch of tests and so are you really going to be able to test recovery are you going to be able to test this is a chronic condition whether this is going to pop back up in november so i think it's pretty unlikely that you're going to discover something in a physical even if he's like yeah you know i'm still getting some pain or i don't know like you palpated and it still doesn't feel right or something i mean i'm not sure exactly what the procedure would be to even test where he's at you know maybe you test the strength in both legs and the strength in, in the the bad quad is like a lot worse or something but you know especially now DeRozan was supposedly assured that he wouldn't be traded and at summer league and then was traded and and he's upset about that so so you've got that angle as well so can you even really bring him back um probably not so I think I, I mean he would have to be like the doctor would have to be like yeah man he's not even gonna play it all this season at this point for me to be like all right we're gonna in this dream even getting danny green is valuable uh, and you know maybe if derozan here's the other thing too i mean if you're toronto like who else wants derozan right like that was we've struggled before to think about like hey you know where is the destination that's willing to give up value for demar derozan so who knows i mean i think unless the doctor is just like this guy isn't going to play it all this season I, I think you go ahead and do this deal it's just the upside of the move is so high even just for this one year uh and good to see some talent back in the east and the, those east playoffs i mean a toronto boston matchup with Kawhi at anything close to full strength is going to be awesome 
Yeah, and I think a Toronto-Philly matchup would be absolutely fascinating as well. I mean, you have a team that's maybe going small at center against Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard's defensive potential against Ben Simmons. I mean, if you want to do oh, that man. one-on-one. Kawhi, just Kawhi would just put Simmons on lock if he was healthy. Yeah, it would. And I mean, having Danny Green out there to to basically take Redick maybe off the floor, if he can do that, I mean, it'd be so much fun. I mean, the, the, the series, there's some series out there now that are really, really interesting. And as you said, yeah, the Raptors, now are a fascinating team with a a new head coach who is a part of their staff how does that affect their identity on both ends of the floor does it affect their willingness to go to more modern lineups in the playoffs you know they're they're going to have to now and they have the personnel to now so i am excited to see to see all of that from their perspective and we'll talk about this a little bit in san antonio but i want to mention this with with thron you and i both like jakob pertle i think that he can be a a solid to above average starting center above average you know top 15 would be would be a big step for him i mean there are a lot of good centers we just saw this this draft class we'll talk about it more in the summer league recap too but i don't see jakob pertle as a guy who trading him you know it really haunts you because there there are there are a lot of good centers there are a lot of capable centers and i don't see that like you know top five top ten all nba potential with him and those are really the guys that haunt you at at a young age so i think you would there are a lot of situations i think they would love to have him this year but that real you know like what happened let's say with Victor Oladipo, like you know, where he just became this yeah. linchpin uh, of a really successful. Uh, team. Although, I, I don't see although that. I will say that in uh, preparing for the podcast we thought we were going to do today, which is our regrading of uh, the 2017 offseason, we were quite confident that Victor Oladipo would not come back to haunt anyone, and, and that turned out not True, to be the case. But, 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 but nonetheless, yeah. Pirtle not having in the ball in his hands as much makes yeah, that a I mean, Oladipo, you could understand how, uh, at least maybe how he could get there with his physical potential. Pirtle, you know, doesn't really have that, to be sure. Um, I The next place I want to go here, and, and we'll get to the Spurs, but like how they're going to look on the court this year is frankly the least interesting part of this to me now but what about the value that san antonio got here given the fact that Woj was reporting that the blazers wouldn't include damian lillard or cj mccollum that uh, and this is all because of the one-year rental and obviously the health thing as well that the sixers did not include joel Embiid, ben simmons or even markel fultz boston did not include jason tatum jalen braun Kyrie irving gordon hayward uh they were supposedly offering the celtics and sixers pick heavy packages now if the celtics pick heavy package included that king's pick then maybe that that changes things uh and then obviously the Lakers, you know, where supposedly Brendan Ingram wasn't in the deal yet as well. You know, who knows whether he ever would have been or not. So between the packages that w- that were being offered or maybe just holding on to Leonard and forcing him to report and play this year, you know, if you could do that even, you know, that's obviously fraught with peril as well. Um, just keeping him and letting him walk completely just to be good again this year or this package or just trying to hold out for a better package later on. What do you think? Uh, of those options like where does this rank for you from the Spurs perspective personally I cannot extricate this from the question of what the Spurs are now because they made a specific tactical choice to build a strong team yeah that's true yeah we do have, we do have to talk about that now for for the nineteen twenty season or for the 1819 season and the 1920 season and so San Antonio 
that that was a part of this. You know, the the pick heavy deals. We don't know what picks those were. Philly also now has the Miami twenty twenty one first, and that is you know a, a, a valuable piece. We don't know exactly where it's going to fit in terms of the age limit and everything else like that. But I don't think that DeRozan. You know, I don't like where the Spurs team is relative to what I consider success. They could certainly make the playoffs. You know, we saw last year without Kawhi Leonard that they made the playoffs. They were a wonderful defensive team, which was such an accomplishment for Ray Popovich. I had him as my coach of the year until the very last ballot because of what Brad Stevens pulled off after Kyrie got hurt. And San Antonio certainly has the tools for that. But if you're trying to say, okay, what are the chances that this team wins a playoff series as they're presently constituted or, you know, kind of the way that we'd expect, I would have that pretty low. You know, I, I, do, I don't think that they're better than the Warriors, the Rockets, probably OKC. I mean, the Lakers are, are this weird kind of patchwork quilt of everything else. But, you know, the San Antonio, they have, they, they basically, this fits in with what they, with what they were before, which is an, a, a, a regular season team that due to their amazing execution, the great coaching, they can punch over their weight in the regular season and then they get knocked out. It's kind of in a way like what the, what the Raptors have been just because of the, the players that, the, that they had and the way it all fits together. And I can understand why an ownership group, why, uh, especially when you have a coach that you don't know how long he's going to be your head coach, that and one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest NBA head coach of all time in Greg Popovich, I can understand why you want to kind of have that security blanket of, oh, we're going to be good right now. But me as a pragmatist, as somebody who who likes championship ceilings, who likes going at it, I don't love this package. Yeah, and we'll never know just exactly how fractured that relationship was. By all accounts, it, it was pretty bad. Whether they could have just made him play this year or not and just, you know, been good this year and then you let him walk, you let him walk. But I mean, so, but basically, you know, if that were even the remotest option, you're looking at essentially trading for Jakob Pertl, two years left on his rookie deal, top 20 protected first rounder. So we know that's not going to be amazing. And then one year, possibly two with the player option. Although if he opts into that player option, it's probably because he's not really that good anymore of DeRozan beyond what you would have had for Kawhi. This to me, I wouldn't say unquestionably makes them worse this year because you don't know about Kawhi's health and maybe, you know, they were really skeptical about his health you know that could be part of it although supposedly they didn't really know that much about his condition and people were saying the Sixers knew more because their doctor was treating him although I I, that seems kind of overblown to me because you know that would be a violation of Kawhi's confidentiality even if the the Sixers doctor is treating him but maybe there were ways that they figured out to get around that if it were me I would have probably continued to try to hold off and play hardball you know getting DeRozan the DeRozan LaMarcus Aldridge ISO ball extravaganza expressed to maybe 51 wins with the great coaching of pop losing the first round in the west almost certainly unless they get a really good matchup that doesn't do a lot for me but really that this sticks with where the spurs have been since that 2015 offseason very low ceiling moves just to kind of stay around you know almost like hey we can't get worse as opposed to hey let's really try and get better and so yeah you know they'll have a team that's not going to suck for the next couple of years this will be you know i'm very fascinated to see what does Kawhi look like outside of san antonio what does danny green look like outside of san antonio and then what does DeRozan look like having to play in the west playoffs now when he hasn't been that effective in the east playoffs and you know what can pop get out of him what can pop get out of him defensively is gonna be fascinating I mean, this is gonna have to be another pop wizardry defensive 
coaching performance here to get them to up to the same levels that they were last year yeah a a quick note on that you talked about DeRozan with the East and the West playoffs I mean think about all the perimeter defenders that are in the West I mean you have you have Paul George on the Thunder a team they could very well play you have you know Utah has this interesting compilation of guys the Warriors have you know Kev Durant and Andre Iguodala it's it's absolutely I mean it's absolutely fascinating to think about I mean theoretically we could get a Jimmy Butler DeMar DeRozan series depending on how the how the Wolves fit into all this yeah it's not that fascinating for me because I just think he's not gonna be able to score on those guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's true uh we'll see maybe there'll be some growth for DeRozan but as you mentioned age 29 probably on the downside a little bit this season well and 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 that gets into something that I want to want to see I, I mentioned this a little bit before but how does being on the Spurs affect DeRozan's game on both ends of the floor does does he become like do they some get him in a, in a little bit of a different mode defensively I thought he showed a little bit of a little bit of improvement last year and that was a part of why they why the Raptors exceeded our expectations on that and Dwayne Casey's teams actually I think broadly did that throughout his Toronto tenure but maybe the Spurs can get a little bit more out of him there and then we saw more three-point shooting from DeMar DeRozan I do think that that was a little bit overwrought in in terms of you know it was more than he was shooting before but it still wasn't like oh he's DeMar DeRozan he's shooting a lot of threes or anything like that but do we see a different DeMar DeRozan and so in certain ways I think this is a parallel to what we saw when and and obviously I'm not comparing the players but with Wiggins on Jimmy Butler when they added Jimmy Butler, which is, okay, you're in a situation now where we can get a really good sense of what parts of you are immutable and what parts of you are a little bit fungible. And I am genuinely excited to see that with DeRozan. So the other perspective on this here is these other teams that did not get Kawhi specifically Philly and the Lakers or even you know a Portland if they would have rather had CJ McCollum than DeMar DeRozan which is not impossible to me did those teams blow it and I think Philly and the Lakers is probably who you would want to focus on here because those are the places where it was the Lakers he really wanted to be Philly there was some talk then there was some pushback like oh maybe you'd want to play there long term maybe you wouldn't but did those teams blow it by not offering more right like philly never offered markel fultz lakers probably never offered brandon ingram who knows whether that gets the deal done and and what other pieces would have been required obviously if the spurs we're focused on competing this year you know this DeRozan package is probably better than anything Philly or the Lakers realistically could have offered so maybe it just if that's really what the Spurs wanted you know it just wasn't going to work unless it was just like the absolute kitchen sink you know and if it was Ingram and it was a bunch of firsts in the future and they wanted Kuzma and you know Lonzo Ball would have had to go to a third team to get you know I mean so but let's just assume that from the Lakers you could have got it done and this might be a wrong assumption but let's assume for the Lakers you could have got it done done if you'd put in ingram and some reasonable other assets and for philly you could have got it done if you'd put in marco fultz and then you know that 2021 pick and and some matching salary going back with me like covington or and uh Sharich or something like that uh did those teams blow it by not trading for him so I don't think that the Lakers blew it because of the the prospect that they've since they maintained this cap space. I mean, it it was always an uncertainty. I mean, we saw this with Dwight Howard that if they acquire Kawhi, that it necessarily would have worked. I mean, LeBron is not the easiest guy to play with, especially for players who like to have the ball in their hands, which Kawhi Leonard might. Yeah. I mean, we'll have we'll have to kind of see what what he wants in his game. And we've heard conflicting things too on whether Kawhi wants to play with LeBron or not. Most of it towards that he still wants to be a Laker, but you know, some some indications 
seems that he yeah. could sell. Right. Uh, it, it's interesting that it seems like most of that is he wants to be a Laker, then other parts that he might not want to play with LeBron, which aren't necessarily conflicting. <laughs> they, they might just, but they are conflicting in terms of because LeBron James is going to be a member of the Lakers, and if they if you force them to make that choice, they're going to choose LeBron James. Yeah. Well, well. But, so, so what from, I would from say the Lakers for, for, yeah, for, from the Lakers' perspective is that you know even if they got Kawhi this year, they're probably not <clears throat> even you know projected to be better to me than Houston or Golden State. Maybe Houston, depending on on how much they fall off yeah they'd be more in that like one injury away type of conversation where it's like they wouldn't be favored but there are circumstances that could happen to make them competitive in those series yeah and remember they would have had to fill that roster there would have been a lot of kind of blank spaces on that roster depending on who got included in the trade guys like josh hart and everything else like that they would yeah. have had to lose a kcp in all likelihood and then and you know he's a nice little depth piece would have fit in well with those guys yeah they, they also so, yeah, could I have mean, done you, uh the hey just get Kawhi on the team now and then if we're really going well and Kawhi looks great and he's going to stick around we can make some more trades to get some more pieces that might have sure. gotten them there yeah they could have used some of the year. young guys there they could yeah they absolutely could have done that that was you know an element to a point of what Cleveland did once they got LeBron back in 2014 was trading some of those young guys once they got him in the fold and with Kawhi I think you'd want to wait a little longer just to see how he was physically but also because the perspective from the Lakers that cap space is important because let's say Kawhi didn't work out for whatever reason then in in this circumstance they can go after someone else if Kawhi doesn't want to be a laker so be it they can get somebody else that could be clay it could be Kyrie, it could be jimmy butler jimmy butler yeah. all any number of guys they could get somebody by trade they still have all these young players as long as those guys look good this year they can still move all them so i think the lakers are in a good place for Kawhi or someone else philly is is tough because they still could get Kawhi. i mean if he doesn't want to play with lebron i think they are the best option though the idea of getting the ball in their hands is not really going to be helped a ton by being in Philly because they have Joel Embiid and of course Ben Simmons and it sounds like they want those guys to have that opportunity but for Philly it's kind of the question about well what offer would have been good enough I dealt with this a little bit we did the SBC exercise and I was uh, I was mentoring the Celtics team but I was thinking a lot about the Sixers and what they should include and what they shouldn't include and a lot of that depends on what San Antonio wanted. And I mean, if when you think about a team that took an offer built around DeMar DeRozan and a deeply protected first round pick, yeah, maybe Fultz has enough cachet to make it work. But maybe they just, you know, a deal with Car- Covington and Sharich just didn't have enough present viability for the Spurs to be interested in that. You know, you they, that you if it was just so mismatched in terms of the evaluation of talent that you would have had to add in so much to make it palatable for the Spurs that it becomes a bad deal for you. And I think that's very very possible with what San Antonio appear to be valuing in terms of return. To me, in the scenario that I set up, you know, assuming that you could find out through back channels that Kawhi was relatively healthy and that there was some indication in the case of Philly that he might want to stay. Now, of course, Philly will have the cap space to go after him next summer as well now. Uh, but you know Fultz who knows how well his jumper is coming along Bodner was talking about this uh, on his pod the other day that you know we haven't seen any like video of him shooting yet or anything like usually if it's good they would probably be sending that out if we don't see that by August or September it might be a concern but just with how messed up the jumper was I I still maintain it's going to be something that's going to affect his career and his upside I don't think he's ever going to quite be the same you'd think maybe Drew Hanlon is that much of a miracle worker but I think I would have just done it I either and same thing with Brandon like he's he's as a bright future but you know we've talked about him as being a little lower on him than some you know i don't see him as a guy who's going to be you know better than the second best player on a really good team and and that's a, to me is the ceiling maybe he gets a little bit beyond that if he improves his strength and athleticism 
but uh, that's so i shouldn't say ceiling i think that's like you know a higher end outcome for him would be a, a more accurate way of saying it but yeah it's uh i think i would have gripped my teeth and just put Fultz or ingram in the deal i just don't think that those guys i mean we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. like there's just so much ability and if he hits if Kawhi hits you know i mean you could look at Kawhi almost as like a draft pick himself at this point you know i mean you don't know but a draft pick that you know has absolute superstar top five player upside whereas you just don't know that ingram and fultz have that especially in the case of fultz with the the jumper concerns that we've seen and again we don't know that 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 would have been enough to get it done for the spurs or what else would have had to be in the deal but if it was just hey you know what like the package is largely built around fultz or ingram i think i probably would have done it just because I, I just think Kawhi is that good, even with the health concern. Well, I mean, the margin between Kawhi and those other players we talked about is significant here. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is the only player of that group that we've ever seriously talked about as being an, an MVP caliber guy. And even if there is no guarantee, and there is no guarantee that he will ever get back, those players are ludicrously valuable. And Kawhi is on, you know, if we can assume he gets back to any, in terms of age-related regression, he's he's on the plus side. I mean, this is a guy who might not ever have a better year than the when he had but in terms of but he could be pretty damn close to it that is special and so yeah what i was saying with the sixers is more just about the spurs valuation i would have i, I would have gritted my teeth and in, and included fultz even though i love what his upside could be because that is far from a certainty as well and you brought up ingram exact same thing you know ceiling is not certainty and that's true for all of the players involved in this and i think philly is the one that that could rue the day the most on this if assuming that the two sides were even relatively close enough to come to a deal and you know with with, with the lakers it's a little bit more complicated because they can still get him and i think that's why i'm a little bit more positive on this is that if, if, they, if they feel that confidence and if Kawhi chooses not to go there as a free agent that means it probably wouldn't have been a good idea to trade for him in the first place to give up those kind of assets and yeah, so i don't know i mean that's, a, kind of play that's both not sides. what people think about paul george at this point right they think that he might want to say that but but yeah i mean you never know right like we, we i i think george is the exception i think teams are going to learn that at some yeah. point you know the, that the way he was wired what he prioritized is you know there there certainly are guys that can sell themselves on a circumstance yeah but it does I, feel I, like I think, an outlier. I, think that, I agree with you yeah and and i wonder about how that's going to be I, i'm sure some people look at the toronto trade through that prism and i think there is a chance that this goes well enough that he considers staying i mean there's certainly a much higher chance that they get a meeting now than they would have if they hadn't traded for him that's for sure so yeah i I think that that that's all there i also like kind of as we're thinking about stray thoughts in this the reuniting of Kawhi and rudy gay not exactly i mean the brightest time in raptors franchise history trading rudy gay was actually what really kind of set them on the current path that they're on that is 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 interesting and then one other kind of big picture point that i wanted to bring up here wait wait the reuniting of Kawhi and rudy gay sorry no sorry demar Derozan. that's what i meant yeah because the, the on those on those kind of early raptor teams before they really figured all this stuff out um it's early it's still in the morning i barely slept but the but but so i was thinking last night and i had this in the notes from when the the reporting came out from shams and and from Woj about the long term like the ripple effects that happen from demar derozan staying in toronto back in 2016 i mean derozan presumably considered the lakers his hometown team he from compton considered them at that point the lakers had a ton of cap space they they could have made that deal happen and this is a cold world i mean i feel sympathy for DeRozan
chosen. He chose to go back to Toronto. He wanted to make that knowing that there was no obligation for them to reciprocate. He did not have, and I believe could not have gotten a no trade clause. And the Raptors, you know, they moved him for a deal that I think we both are very positive on for them. That sucks for DeRozan. He still has two or possibly three years under contract. But think about not only the impact on on the Raptors of that. I mean, he was a principal in this Kawhi Leonard trade, but also for the Lakers. I mean, if you add him in, Wall Dang definitely doesn't happen. They probably don't overpay Timofey Mozgov as well because maybe if he sends out those inklings, they just had think about their space differently, think about the fits differently. And that affects a lot of things moving forward. I mean, what happens with LeBron? What happens to everything else? And so, I mean, you have this circumstance where a player chose a kind of in some ways chose a city in an immediate circumstance over, you know, everything else. And while the, the Raptors had a much better two seasons than he probably would have had with the Lakers, he ends up in a circumstance outside of his control. Yeah, sorry, that was my alarm when I actually planned to wake up this morning. <laughs> uh, for Kawhi's situation, I think he did not get what he wanted here. You know, he probably would have wanted to go to Philly or L.A., I think part of the reason that he did not want is is the health issue, but also just that he doesn't have an agent. And Woj was making this point earlier, but I, and I'll second it on his podcast that he doesn't have an agent and people around him that people feel are reliable. You know that you, if it is actually said, "Hey, Kawhi wants to be here," all right, now we'll based on that representation, we're going to throw more in to the deal. Um, and by not having that, then it's really a lot harder to get what you wanted if you, if you're value then becomes well the value of a one-year rental and the all you have to give up is the value of a one-year rental now the entire universe of the nba becomes available and and that's how this trade happens with the raptors right if you can actually manage the situation have good communication both with the spurs and with other teams really make it seem credible get the lakers to really believe that you want to stay there try to cajole them into throwing more into the deal so you can go there now you know, so Kawhi, I mean, maybe there's was no management strategy that could have gotten him what he wanted here, but it seems very clear that he did not. And so he will be obligated to report to the Raptors within a week uh, under section 10 of his contract and unless he has a reasonable excuse not to do that he'd be subject to discipline by the raptors or the raptors could obviously void the trade and then he'd be right back where he was with the spurs so i i mean i think he will report i i think it really is in his best interest to play and play well this year is he going to do that or is he going to malinger don't know but uh I, i think it definitely is to his advantage to play well and i'll just go back to the Sixers and Lakers again I mean if Kawhi Leonard plays really well this year you're gonna look and maybe you won't but you're gonna look at this moment for the Sixers and Lakers and say hey you know what they really should have thrown more into this because the upside of making this move was so high and you know even if the Lakers get into 2019 free agency and they could get Clay they could get Jimmy Butler like that's not Kawhi Leonard if Kawhi Leonard plays well and he's younger than both of those guys too Kawhi Leonard plays well this was a mistake by the Lakers and Sixers to not throw more into the deal as far as I'm concerned but we don't know if he's gonna play I will note that I will also note that it is entirely possible that one or both of those options are still not on the table depending on what the Raptors value I mean theoretically if they if they kind of see hey Kawhi Leonard's playing well but he's also not going to stay here if I'm Philly I throw more more off on the table for the Raptors than I did for the Spurs well especially because it gets Kawhi off of the Raptors uh but right. but I mean I, but if the Raptors are playing well this year I mean they made this deal with 
the understanding that he very well could leave and so that's they gave up that amount and so i mean if they're looking at all like they can be contenders in the east i would be very surprised if they were willing to do that because this deal was made with that conception that you know it's about being really really good this year so they i think you know the price would go up to get him from the raptors versus from the spurs well it, it probably isn't going down considering what the spurs actually got for him i mean all right uh anything else on this or should we hit uh the rest of the news that we got no, I think we can move on. Actually, I think the most interesting piece of news that we can discuss is something that, that came out while we were recording this, which is from Woj, that Danny Ainge and Happy Walters, who is Marcus Smart's agent, are now seriously engaged in contract talks. And Woj lists the deal range as four years, 46 to 50 million. That can obviously mean a lot of different things, depending on reporting, who's telling him and everything like that. But considering the long-term tax ramifications for the Celtics and the lack of leverage other than just signing the or leaving that Marcus Smart has, I'm interested in this. Yeah, now this would give salary fodder for a trade once Smart is eligible to be traded on January 15th. If he signs this deal, he'll have signed with full bird rights, so wouldn't be eligible to be traded until January 15th. But whether it's next summer, whether it's at this trade deadline, he could be traded and, and he's not an absolutely essential part of the team this is one of those contracts that you know in a a normal market is right on the borderline is smart as starting point guard he's got this great defensive versatility he makes winning plays but also the shooting uh his overly thirsty attitude uh as well not only is a bad shooter but he's probably a too frequent of a shooter but you know maybe he's someone who could be a lower end starting point guard when you consider his great defensive versatility i mean he can really guard most threes in the nba extremely well and he's one of the best uh, on ones and twos as well even some fours he, he can guard pretty well and you know this deal was basically at the 12 million a year range you know, it's right on the borderline it's kind of about right for smart in a normal market with this cap maybe a slight overpay but just to get keep him around you know they can use him for this year it doesn't matter at all what you're paying him this year there's no opportunity cost really this year uh well there's a little bit in terms of if they get up to the luxury tax because if it starts the clock on the repeater okay yeah i I guess that's a good point and you know they haven't used the mini mid-level either this year uh but you know i think in terms of just and there aren't many free agents that are left nobody as good as marcus smart obviously and then of course you have him as a potential trade ship on at least you know a decent contract if not you know a huge value contract he's not gonna be like oh man you got to give us something else to get off of this money in a deal hopefully so that seems about right and good for smart i think to to take this deal if available you know the thought was that he wanted a lot more i think this would actually be a good piece of negotiating if we get there uh by his agent happy walters who you'll recall of course was the agent for nerlens noel last year got him that offer for 70 million which you know to hear everyone tell it nerland's the one who decided to turn it down but you know if you're a good agent you can hopefully convince your client to take what is a good deal for him well uh cue dan feldman danny wait wait wait, wait. we had a deal <laughs> that's good I was, I was probably gonna be too lazy to actually play the drop <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I, I i i that's why i decided to do it i said i said to you i actually still have the audio file but yeah i mean so nemanja bielitsa signed a one-year contract for the room mid-level with the sixers a deal we praised for the sixers on the podcast he has decided not to do that he had a a, a, a talked with uh, john krasinski of the athletic about the kind of the uncertainty with his family and you know maybe having to move them after another eight months and so he looks like he's going to go play in europe where he will generate plenty of of interest of course given his success there and as an nba 
first person, I'm very disappointed. I understand this if the offers are around the range that I think they might be for Bielitsa, but I would have loved to have seen him on the Sixers. Yeah, quite possible, especially because the the European deals are paid out in a way that the numbers that are quoted are tax-free so he's probably actually could make more in europe you know he's basically when you consider taxes probably making you know in the 2.5 to 3 million dollar range and uh, on that 4.4 million dollar room mid-level exception salary so the sixers now have that and really a shame i mean you have to imagine that bielita will not be back now at age 30 i felt that he was totally wasted in minnesota with all these other ball dominant guys that he played with some pretty unimaginative off offensive coaches i would have loved to have seen what he could have done more with the ball in his hands i was really interested to see what he could do in brett Brown's system i thought he would have really helped them and this kind of screws over the sixers uh, to some degree we talked before about who the raptors uh, could get but the sixers definitely need a little one more shooter now uh, at this point uh they definitely they missed out on wayne ellington they and they can only go one year obviously so they, they never really got a backup shooting guard and now Bielitsa as the Ilyasova replacement is gone so they're kind of right back where they were in the first part of the year before they got Ilyasova and Bellinelli not that they should have re-signed those guys to the contracts that they got but you know I think Pat Connaughton is someone that they might look at now uh maybe we'll see Jamal Crawford room exception come into play here um as a shooting four not a ton of options really left on the market at this point maybe like luke babbitt is someone they could look at for like kind of an end of the bench sort of guy but you know he's probably way even worse defensively than bielita and certainly way worse than Ilyasova. so i'm not sure where else uh, the sixers can go at this point but you know if markel fultz comes back and can play then their backup shooting guard problems are alleviated to some degree but yeah i mean this is a, definitely a problem although i'm not sure even when he agreed that there was anyone else they would have been like hard on the heels of with that room exception and i wonder if the margin be between the room exception and the non-taxpayer mid-level would have been enough to get Bielitsa to Utah you know like because we had talked about how he would have been a wonderful fifth of jazz but the same concerns probably would have been there so I don't know if that money difference would have been enough and I I was kind of wondering and I still wonder what Utah is doing with that but but if Bielitsa was you know unsure about this then I guess that puts a little bit of color in the background of what could have been Utah's decision so we can turn now to a trade uh maybe not as interesting as the Kawhi trade but Memphis maybe not trading Ben McLemore, Deontay Davis, and a 2021 second round pick to the Sacramento Kings for Garrett Temple, who you'll recall opted into that $8 million player option for this season. Temple will be in the mix maybe to start at the two for the Grizz, although Wayne Selden, I think it might be better than him at this point, although Selden has struggled with injuries. And so the Grizz, with some limited resources, got Kyle Anderson and Garrett Temple, which is an okay-ish haul. They obviously lost Tyreek Evans, but... Uh, and giving up only a second they also had to throw in 1.5 million in cash it looked like Deontay Davis might be out of their plans they seem to like uh, Ivan Rab better although I, I might like Davis a little bit better but Davis is really disappointed hasn't shown the explosion like many a Grizzly has struggled with injuries in his first year I don't think Davis really fits in very well in Sacramento either that's part of why that 1.5 million was included to pay his salary and the Kings already have a, a billion bigs 
and Macklemore, I think, again, is just kind of included here. The Kings aren't really going to use him either, you would think. So this is really just all about getting that 2021 second. But for me, Dan, I don't know if you agree. I don't really care for this trade for the Kings. I think that they would have been better off taking Temple as a guy who could play and trading him, trying to get maybe a first, even if it's only at the deadline, by taking on money that goes through 2020. Maybe. I, I actually think that the, the 2021 second in this deal should not be undersold as a potential asset. That is around the time that Memphis could be pivoting and could end <laughs> up being a pretty valuable a pretty valuable asset as far as second round picks go. And we just haven't really seen the market for taking on, and, and I'm saying haven't seen meaning that we don't know, not meaning that we know it's bad. For tw- taking on 2019-20 money, especially more in, in that ilk, because those teams are, you know, uniquely situated Noah might end up getting stretched by the Knicks you know a couple of these other contracts and that could change maybe teams get a clearer sense of of where they are in everything over the next month or two and Garrett Temple is a good player you know a player that I think can be a part of the rotation but still has offensive limitations in terms of efficiency and and competes on defense and and I like him as a player but he's not gonna like solve all your problems or anything like that this also brings in the awkward return of Ben McElmore to the Sacramento Kings and yet again and they have an overstuffed shooting guard rotation. Yeah. I don't think that's why I'm they treat, did this I'm trade. treating Davis and Macklemore as basically dead salary. And, and Davis, as am I. Davis really had to be included to help with Memphis's tax concerns. A trade would have worked if it were just Macklemore for Temple on its own. Yeah, it, it would have worked. And, and they're, the Grizzlies are signing Javon Carter, so they were going to have a, a crunch in terms of roster spots anyway. And so this kind of allows them to resolve the situation. I think the Grizzlies are pretty dang close to to done for this offseason. It, it clarifies a lot of that. And for Sacramento, you know, they could, they still have, they actually have more space now. They have about $20 because they cleared a little bit through this deal. So yeah, I understand what you're saying with that. I just think that might be a little bit nebulous. And they could still take on a, a bunch of salary there with everything else. Well, let's let's look look at it this way here, too, in terms of the value proposition. You know, Jose Calderon, this is in 2016, when there is a a much looser market for taking on bad salary, two seconds to go for $8 million. Now, the Bulls needed to move him to get Dwayne Wade at that time, so there's a little bit of pressure. Uh, But basically what this is, is you're giving away a guy who can play, who's probably, you know, close to fairly paid on that $8 million contract with the way Temple has played the last couple of years. That was a surprise, actually, I thought that was a horrible contract though part of the reason we didn't like it is because he was being talked about as their backup point guard there which never materialized uh and then you're also taking on so you're giving up a guy who can play and you're also taking on seven million dollars in dead salary and for one second rounder you know that's that's somewhat questionable value to me i i get that you know that's a pick that's very likely to be in the top 10 picks of the second round which makes it look a little bit better there but Nonetheless, I, you know, this is, it's not a terrible deal for the Kings. I think, you know, Temple was probably their best asset in terms of a guy who was on a reasonable contract that could be exchanged for even worse money. And I would have hoped that you keep him around and, and maybe see if you can wrangle up a, a first rounder somewhere. But this may, and it's also pretty far away, that 2021 pick also. But maybe there wasn't really much of a deal to be made and the kings don't actually impact their cap space negatively here either because they sent out temple salary so i don't know me i'm not like killing this deal or anything it's just i'm not like overly impressed by the whole but but yeah you're going to transition into something else I guess so. Um, do, do you just like lose lose your train of thought sometimes? Like what? no, no. I just, I just, I didn't have anything else to say on this train. Oh, it's oh just, okay. It, it generates a lot of it generates a lot of apathy for me. 
<laughs> well, well. So one thing, one thing I wanted to flip by you was I mean, we've talked about this idea of differing things that the Kings could do with this space. They have about twenty million now, and taking on long term money is the best way to get a, a significant asset return. The Kings have so much space in twenty nineteen that they could do it. I actually, was thinking about this also because I wrote that piece for the Athletic. And another like I thought I had on this was theoretically like we talked about the Cristiano Felicio for Mello framework and and the limitations there was you could still do something involving Amon Shumpert and Mello. The idea there basically being that it's only one year of space as opposed to, to anything else. But the problem there is I, I don't know if OKC would be willing to give up the asset necessary to make that happen. Would, would you do that for a, a an OKC future first-round pick if you were Sacramento? Well, so the first one, likely the first time it's... 2021. Yeah, well, well, it'd have to be 2022, most likely, because they got that 2020 outstanding still. So um oh yeah that's right yeah i think so i mean just because like what else are you doing with that space at, at this point this year i mean there's there's nobody else really who needs to dump money for this season but yeah maybe temple you know could have been part of that as like a guy who could come in and help okc you know going back in that anthony deal to and to make the salary match you know and, and the kings could have thrown in a little bit more salary there as well um couple other things here should we slowly count to five in honor of papa g's greatest nba moment the five second back down violation he got it as a rookie in summer league because he has been waived by the blazers had a 719 uh guarantee date and he's going to go sign a deal in greece now Yep, between him and Joffrey Laverne, two guys that I did not particularly enjoy watching play basketball are now out of the NBA. I, I will deal with that. But we should talk about a guy that I do enjoy playing basketball. The second time this has happened, for those who remember in last in the last podcast we did, I talked about how Shabazz Napier signing that contract with the with the Brooklyn Nets of, you know, two years, probably around the minimum. We just still don't have exact terms on that that I've seen second year team option, that it was a poor it was a poor reflection on the rest of the league because he was not as different from guys who made a lot more money both in single year and multi-year contracts they did the same damn thing again with Travion Graham Travion Graham certainly a far from a sure thing as a three and D guy I mean with, with his tenure in Charlotte but Brooklyn getting him likely at the minimum for two years second year you know non-guaranteed great piece of business for Brooklyn and it makes me wonder you know like oh why is player X so much better than Travion Graham I'm not saying he's certain but a lot of these guys aren't and so that's a great deal for the Nets. Yeah, and again, I think there are teams that it's likely at the minimum that the Nets had a little bit more space than that. I don't think we've seen the actual number reported, although you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh I don't believe I've seen it for him or for Napier. Yeah, and maybe then it was Napier who got more than the minimum if, if it was either of them. But nonetheless, you know, second year nine guarantee for Graham, that's pretty good. If they'd given him a team option instead and, and then you know they could have made him a restricted free agent again next year but probably better to just get him for that second year at the moon then he'll be unrestricted at the end of that and I mean, they might have actually, if they really wanted to be creative, and he would have agreed, done the non-guarantee and player option by doing the make him non-guaranteed this year, and but have the guarantee date be like one day after he signs the contract, so that then you could make him non-guaranteed and the team option next year in case he blows up. You can make him restricted, but again, very little chance of that. So probably better to just have him on that second year non-guarantee for the move. And yeah, I mean, this is it. Just really surprised me. You know, I thought Travion Graham could get something along the lines of like you know a couple years for three million a year and it, it was a surprise to me that he had so little interest and i and i'm not saying he's like some great player or something like that like he hasn't he shot it well on very limited attempts he plays hard 
you know not really skilled with the ball in his hands but he's the type of clay that can maybe be molded into a valuable rotation piece because there just aren't that many guys out there like him who showed any kind of shooting potential and who play hard and have the ability to play defense on the wing so i'm just it's like why someone wouldn't just all right you know we'll pay this guy more than what he's shown so far in his career but you know with the chance that he could work out so i i like this for brooklyn as i like the, the napier contract yeah and i mean I, I don't i'm not critical of the glenn robinson signing but giving glenn robinson yeah. the money he Trayvon got and Graham then was james better Ennis, than glenn robinson last year and robinson well, is more explosive yeah, and, as an athlete but i think graham is, is better defensively than robinson and it's the same thing that was true with james ennis everybody talks about uh, and because it's damn true about how wings are so valuable in the league and yet for whatever reason certain guys just fall through the cracks and i i haven't heard anything in terms of like a character issue or something like that that would lead to it so yeah i mean i'm I, it's it's frustrating in, in that sort of way just because i think a lot of teams left a, a good player on the table for for no good reason yeah and yet teams just just take chances on, on guys who you know just don't have the potential to be modern players to be playoff players you know marco bellinelli is getting two years at six million a year and Ilyasova, who a player that we like but not at the money that he got from the bucks in this market a, a couple of examples well, and, there and indiana not getting a, a three defender when sure. they could have gotten somebody for the like, minimum where was indiana on james ennis with the money that they had available yeah they had to they had to sign a second backup center as much as we like kylo quinn they had to sign a second backup center instead of going after somebody who could have been in their yeah, rotation. Like, like the, the idea that you would want to have Kyle O'Quinn over James Ennis, like that Kyle O'Quinn would get more money on a one-year deal than James Ennis is just really surprising me. And yeah, Ennis, you know, he, he may not be awesome, but he's just, he's shown the ability to be a quality 3 and D player at times. I mean, so just, you know, take the chance on someone like that. They're so incredibly valuable in today's league. Um, is that it? Oh, Kendrick Perkins has been waived. Whew. All right, that's a good one to end on. Well, actually, I'll end on something else that, Le- that LeBron, another former LeBron teammate when Nick DiPaolo reported this morning kind of lost in the Kawhi stuff justifiably that Dwayne Wade signed a lifetime deal with uh, Lee Ning and I have zero idea if this affects his willingness or anything to come back and play but I just thought it was it was significant to mention and so I wanted to put it in yeah maybe that does mean he would play one more year uh depending on how much they're paying it they, they might if he's got a minimum offer from the heat maybe Lee Ning is gonna uh, really pay his salary this year uh all right we will be back on monday next week unless something crazy happens here but uh this is this is the last crazy domino to drop here Kawhi leonard as a raptor i can't wait to see how this works out and how he looks i mean that's gonna be the biggest thing i'm, I'm just uh desperately curious to see here uh we'll talk to y'all yeah yeah go ahead sorry well i'll mention i'm going to write a piece on this of course for the athletic i don't know what branch it will technically be under maybe the athletic toronto also recording between now and when we record next there'll be a new real gym radio it's probably going to focus on summer league so you can check both those things out and getting back into writing so follow me on twitter and of course duncan larue on patreon we're going to have salary sheets i believe they are already up for both teams in this trade so you can check that out and we will have our mailbag at some point in the next couple weeks and this this is July is a great month to check out our Patreon. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely correct. And uh, oh, there is uh, one more thing that we should close with. Wait, wait, wait. Well, I thought we had a deal. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.